Man, thank you, worship team. My goodness. I almost didn't even come up here. So good. Well, in case it's your first time, I'm Pastor Mike Signorelli. It's nice to meet everyone. <laughs> I said that joke last time. People thought it was funny too. So I was like, I'm going to say that one again. <laughs> the rest of my jokes fall very flat, but... No, if you... Uh, if you came today, if you're joining us online for the first time, expecting to see uh, Pastor Mike, I'm actually Pastor Joe. I'm from uh, Indiana. Yeah. And uh, we're trading places. You remember that show, like trading places, swapping spouses? <laughs> Me and Pastor Mike swapped churches today. So he is uh, right now, we're actually just texting each other pictures. My goodness. Y'all. I was sending him pictures and video, like us in a group pastor's chat. like, this church is so loud. Like, I'm not talking about the band. I'm talking about you are loud. My goodness. I loved it. Steph, she, she just did this, you know? She was like, she stopped singing. Y'all did it. Y'all are worship leaders. You didn't even know it. And uh, so, yeah, we uh, we're excited that they're out there. He was sending me pictures. I mean, it's a packed house in Indiana today. I mean, I just want you to know y'all got some extended family. And then obviously we have everyone that's online, our global community. We love you guys. So blessed to have you tuning in on Facebook, on YouTube, uh, whatever you're watching on. Uh, but yeah, so I'm Pastor Joe. Uh, I've been in ministry for, I think, I think 15 years now. 20 years, somewhere in that range. I've also been married 12 or 13 years. I don't know that one either. I'm also 34 or 35. I don't know that one either. <laughs> we'll figure it out as we go. Um, but I, uh, I'm married to my beautiful bride um, of 12 or 13 years, Chrissy Angelo. And uh, she is absolutely amazing. And uh, <clears throat> we have a marriage ministry together called The Married Life. And I actually, I have a picture of our website right here. So if anyone wants more like, content or anything. Uh, we do coaching. Chrissy puts up blogs. I don't do blogs because men don't read. Um, <laughs> it's, it's true. I did blogs for like a little bit. I'm like, there ain't nobody reading this. So I made a podcast called Pick a Fight that's just for men because women, we know there are some things that you should not be hearing that go through a man's head. <laughs> Like, you just shouldn't be. So I got a men's podcast. My wife, she even told me, she's like, I want to listen to your podcast. I'm like, I wouldn't if I were you. <laughs> You're going to be like, guys are weird. And we are. And uh, so anyway, she was telling me, she's like, man, I want to watch one of your YouTube videos. And I haven't yet. I was like, oh, you can. She's like, you told me not to. I was like, it's not a big deal. I'm just, I just say that. Like, you can. But so yeah, we have a podcast that comes out every week. Uh, we're actually about to do a series on our podcast about like the building blocks of marriage. I was working out. This is where a lot of times I get my podcast ideas, sermon inspiration, um, is I'll be at the gym working out and the endorphins are just running or something. I don't know what it is. So, uh, I was thinking to her, I was like, man, when you look at like the blueprints, uh, when you have an architect come in, there's so much that goes behind that versus just purchasing a house. Like if I was just going to purchase a house, I'm just on the market, like, Ooh, that one, I want it. And a lot of times in marriage, we try to do that. Ooh, that one, I want it. I want that marriage. But you didn't see what the architect, with the person that uh, built the house, the contractor, the pipe, you know, the, the plumbing team, everything that went into making that house look like that house. And so I'm about to preach y'all my podcast message. But that's, uh, that's what we're going off of. Like, what does it take to have the home that you are desiring when you look at the other home? You know, there takes work behind that. So me and Chrissy, we've been doing that for a number of years now. We love marriage ministry. And I love being part of V1 because Pastor Mike and Pastor Julie, they model that so well. 
They love each other. They are in unity. Whenever Christy and I get to spend time with them, we just grow. And so I would just encourage you guys, I mean, continue to tune in to your pastors and seeing how they lead, how they serve each other. I was just telling Will outside, I said, Pastor uh, Julie makes me a better pastor by watching her and how she serves other people. She goes around, she's like, do you need anything? I'm like, Pastor Julie, you're about to get on stage. What do you need? You know, she just loves people. And that's what we're called to do. And actually, that's what we're going to talk about today is actual relationships. Because we're trying to get battle ready. You know, we got, all right, one person's excited to get battle ready. <laughs> when it comes to relationships, a lot of time we don't think about getting relationship battle ready, right? It's like you have a kid. I mean, anyone else? <laughs> Me and Chrissy, man, when we had our first kid. So we, I don't even know, did I tell you how many kids we have? We have four kids. Um, three biological, one adopted. Our adopted daughter is 23 years old. She's Kara. She was here a couple weeks ago or a month or so ago. She is awesome. She preaches. She sings. She does video. She does photos. She builds websites. She built our website. Like, she is the full package. And if you want to date her, come talk to me. You are not allowed to message her before you talk to me. Just being a good dad. Um, and uh, <laughs> I actually scared a couple of guys off because they would never talk to me. I was like... That's good. We don't want them in the family. <laughs> Savage. So, um, <laughs> so then I have a seven-year-old Gwen. Um, she is precious. Like she is the one that you look at, like you did something wrong and she just breaks down crying, you know? Then I have, yeah, she's precious. She is a, a piece of like, uh, like China pottery, just very. Then I have Vivi. Vivi's my four-year-old and Vivi's mini-me. Vivi's a tank. If she was a girl, she'd be my football player. If she was a girl, if she was a boy, she'd be my football player. Like she's just like, you know, just nonstop. And uh, what parent here has a kid that's like them? You love them, but you also just want to be like, gosh, get out of here. You know, like <laughs> I tell my mom all the time. I was like, you're amazing. You put up with me. And I was like that. <laughs> you were amazing, mom. And uh, then I have my, my, my son, Ellis, he's six months old. And uh, he, so this is funny, uh, 2019, Christmas 2019, me and Chrissy, we do a marriage retreat, a vision retreat uh, every other year. And so uh, on Christmas day, we opened gifts, celebrated Christmas, and we gave my kids to my mom and we went on a vision retreat on Christmas day. We're like, peace kids, we're gone. Cause we got to better ourselves to better you. So I didn't feel bad about it. And we were going snowboarding, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, it's good. <laughs> but on our way up to Michigan, um, I told Chrissy, some of our friends were having babies and stuff. And I was like, you know what? I kind of got baby fever. And she's like, how about a dog? <laughs> So she got me a golden doodle, Rockney, and he's awesome. Named after the best coach in Notre Dame history, Newt Rockney. Some of you don't know that, Rockney, yeah. So he's good. Well, then COVID hit. So we got a COVID baby too. <laughs> it's like, you got the boomer generation, then we're gonna have this generation, you know? So, and, and it was, it, he came out, you know, a son. So, cause I really thought I was just going to be a girl dad. I love being a girl dad. I take them on dates. I love it. I date Kara. I date Gwen. I date Vivi. I, this is one of my favorite, <laughs> Pastor Patrick, this is one of my favorite conversations ever. When the girls were arguing with Chrissy, who gets to go on a date next with daddy? I'm like winning. Like, I was like, and I want that 
through as their teenagers, through as their, you know, adults. I want my daughters to be like, hey, dad, you know, uh, me and my husband aren't doing anything tonight. You want to go on a date? You're like, I'm like, that's a win. Because then if I can instill that in my future son-in-law, he'll be able to do that with those kids. It's legacy. It's legacy. You know, it's legacy. <laughs> so, um, so anyways, Ellis is our, our beautiful baby boy. Um, and he is chubby. <laughs> That boy has not missed a meal. Um, <laughs> you know how usually like people are like, wow, what a healthy baby. I had a, <laughs> Chrissy had him out like at the park or something. I don't know where she was, maybe Costco. It was, it was Costco. And this lady came up to her and she said, wow, that's a fat baby. <laughs> Chrissy's like, he looks just like his daddy. <laughs> So anyways, we're, uh, I'm, I'm blessed. I have a, an amazing, amazing family. Uh, my wife's been texting me, my mom. I'm telling you, it's like, you know, we got, you guys have extended family in Indiana that loves you, that's been praying for you, and they're worshiping right now, and it's just amazing. So uh, I actually, this is true, I text Pastor Mike, I said, I might not be coming back, Chrissy, pack up the kids. Like, I love this. Like, man, it's special, it's special, it's special. So we're going to be talking about uh, relationships. I'm going to try to keep it lighthearted, but also it's just going to be real because like I said, we, no one teaches us how to be in relationships with each other. You know, you just have a kid and you, you think you know what to do. And then I was terrified to put my firstborn uh, Gwen actually in the car seat and put her in the car myself. I told the nurse, I'm like, you're not coming home with me? Like, <laughs> like I need help. And um, it's the same thing in marriage, man. Me and Chrissy, if I can just be brutally honest with you guys, me and my wife, we used to have a horrible relationship when we were dating before Christ. I was such a jerk. I'm the worst. Like when you can think of a bad boyfriend, I am public enemy number one. I, at least I know y'all are laughing. I'm about to tell you what I did. And you're like, wow, he is a horrible person. Um, so Chrissy and I, so when I first saw Chrissy, it was in seventh grade and she was walking down the hall. Our schools just merged. And I saw her walking down the hall. I was like, that girl is fine. Like, dang, you know? And, uh, and I was just a little uh, chubby perverted boy, you know, full of lust and not the Holy Spirit. And she could sense that. And she's like, I don't want nothing to do with him. And so uh, I, would, I would hit on her, flirt with her, all the things. I mean, I was, I was just, I was bad. Uh, I actually got expelled from my school for sexual harassment. I know, that's how bad I was. And um, so fast forward a number of years, I end up back at that same school because that was in middle school. I end up back there in high school and me and Chrissy start dating. Now Chrissy, again, she couldn't stand me, but all the people she used to hang out with now graduated. So she's like, well, I need some guy friends in my life. I guess I'll hang out with Joe and his friends. And so one time at a party, she'll tell you all this. One time at a party, she saw me and she was just like, eh, you know, like I see something there. Now, I had a girlfriend at the time, but this was Chrissy Weimer. I was like, oh, you see this now? Because I've been seeing you, girl. So I went after her, and uh, we were having a conversation. I was like, yeah, you know, in middle school, I got expelled for sexual harassment, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, man, I remember in middle school when you asked me to flash you. I was like, what, I did? She's like, yeah. And I remember going to the office and telling the secretary, who's my friend about it, and it was right around this time, I was like, that's right around the time I got expelled. 
My future wife got me expelled from middle school. So we, we joke, we're like, we're gonna do like the married life in a book, like how to get your future wife. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> That'd be horrible. That's not, that's not it at all. But no, so like, I mean, in our relationship, nobody taught me how to be um, a good boyfriend or anything. So in our relationship, I would constantly cheat on Chrissy with the girl that I cheated on Chrissy with. I mean, I would just go back and forth. Uh, Chrissy and I, we'd go to a party, get drunk, um, just be completely like upset with each other, break up. I'd hook up with someone else. We'd get back together. It was just like this cycle of repeating. And uh, my mom, she loved Jesus. My mom just loves Jesus. Me, we joke. We're like, it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Helen. You know, it's like she's... Like y'all know Pastor Sandra, it's like they're, like, they're like separated at birth, you know? Like they are, and so my mom would just always be praying for us. And, then, and one time me and Chrissy were broken up and, and uh, the rule was, if you stay the night at the Angelos on Saturday, Sunday morning, you had to go to church, hungover or not. Cause my mom knew what we were doing. And there was even conversations. My mom would argue with me on the front row and she'd be like, you smell like alcohol. Like I smelled through your pores. And I would look at her, I was like, you're the one making me come here. So listen, parents, your kids might not want to be here, but it's going to pay off in the long run. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. So um, I remember one day, me and Chris, we were broke up. This was, we were in college now. Same thing. I'm telling you, from senior year in high school to uh, sophomore year, junior year in college, it was just a horrible relationship. Broken up. I walk into church. I went to the 11 o'clock service. She went to the nine o'clock service. And I saw her afterwards walking down the aisle and I could tell that she gave her life to Christ. She didn't say nothing to me. I could tell. It was this glow. You know how people say like when you're pregnant, you have a glow. It's like the Holy Spirit was on her and just glowing. So I was like, because my mom, I, 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 I got saved when, like, when I was a teenager, I just backslid, you know, just being very selfish. Stuff we're going to talk about today, actually. Pride, lust, all these things I dealt with. And, um, and I saw her. I was like, what am I doing with my life? Like, what am I doing? I always wanted to be in a relationship with a Christian woman. I know I love this woman. I just can't control my lustful desires, so I keep cheating on her. I'm very prideful, so I don't care. I don't apologize. I just go out and get drunk more. Like, what am I doing with my life? And so for a season, Chrissy and I just, we didn't get back together, and we just pursued Jesus. And then he brought us back together, and now we have an amazing family, part of amazing church, amazing ministry, all these things. So... It's just what happens when you surrender your life to God. And so we're going to jump into this. And, um, you know, because a lot of us, we have good intentions to have good relationships. The problem is intentions don't determine destinations. Intentions don't. What determines your destination is your direction. Direction determines destination. But also direction is dependent on discipline. The direction is dependent on discipline. And let me, here's a crystal clear picture. When I, when me and Pastor Mike were talking about me coming here and him going there, it was all just, a, a, you know, one day this will happen. It's an intention. What we had to do is we, and there was a destination, right? But it would just be an intention. If we didn't put direction to it, this day at this time, you're speaking here. This day at this time, I'm speaking there. If we wouldn't have done that. But then also not just direction, but the discipline behind it. Because this, or this morning, I get these days mixed up. Yesterday morning, I flew in. For me to get here, I had to leave Chicago at 6 a.m., which means I had to leave Chesterton at, five, at 4 because I had to get to the airport an hour before. So I got 
flight left at six, arrive at five, left Chesterton at four. But before I left Chesterton, I wanted to work out, which meant I had to get up at 2.45. Yeah, that's discipline. That is discipline. This morning, actually, so this is, this is another reason, like I, I try to grow in my discipline and right now I'm trying this thing to help myself and flip this switch in my mind because being part of V1, seeing how we are a global church, obviously we have so many people tuning online right now. There's a lot that comes with that. So I need to grow myself. So what Chrissy and I are doing right now, I don't know if you guys have heard about it, it's called 75 Hard. Have you heard about it? Here, I got a graphic for it. So this is what 75 hard is, follow a diet. So me and Chrissy, like we're doing a strict diet for 75 days, every day. And if you don't do this, you fail and have to start over again. You must complete, I know, <laughs> it's like, this is crazy. You must complete two 45 minute workouts a day and one must be outside. Can we go to that picture of me real quick? This is me this morning at 5 a.m. And that, my shirt, you can't tell, my shirt's not blue, it's a light gray. It was raining, y'all. I was soaked. I'm trying to develop discipline. My hair is not done. That's water. You know what I mean? Like, like don't, don't get it twisted. I don't get ready at four in the morning and look good for everybody. Like, this is the water. Um, okay, you can go back. So absolutely no alcohol or cheat meals. Last night I was at Pastor Patrick and Pastor Natalie's restaurant. If you have not eaten there, you are missing out. What's it called again? Coal House Grill. Coal House Grill. It was delicious. It was delicious. And they were trying to get me to slip up and sin. They put, they put this dessert in front, of, in front of Pastor Eddie, and my goodness, what was it? Wicked delicious bread pudding. I got up, walked out that door, called an Uber. I was like, get me away from these sinners, these temptress. <laughs> Take a, pro, a progress picture every day, which is weird. You know what I mean? Like pastor Eddie's like every day. I was like, I don't know, man. It's just part of the thing. Drink a gallon of water every day. So I got like a, a big white thermos down there. I have to drink three and a half of those every day. I'll drink this too. I'm telling you what y'all know this. When you drink that much water, you spend a lot of time in the bathroom. I was trying to go to sleep last night. And before I fell asleep, I got up out of my bed four times and I probably fell asleep within 20 minutes. It was annoying. It was annoying. Okay. And then read at least 10 pages of a book. Audiobooks don't count. So um, yesterday I was like, oh, I'm going to get ahead of this. I was reading the book on the airplane and I was just getting ideas and writing stuff down and everything. So then I actually, last night I get in bed and I'm going to sleep and all of a sudden it pops in my mind. I didn't finish my book. So I had to get up out of bed, get my book and read it. Cause if I wouldn't have read it, I would have failed. And I'm telling y'all, I'm trying to grow my discipline. I'm not going to fail. And if I do fail, I just have to restart. I don't want to restart. So it was like, it's hard for me to get up in the rain to go for a walk, but it's going to be worth it in the long uh, run. So Again, this is discipline. Direction is dependent on discipline. I want a switch to flip in my brain, so I have to be disciplined. I have the direction, I have the destination, but I have to have the discipline to get me there. So we're gonna jump into some scripture today about um, Jesus and a relationship that he was having with the Pharisees and a relationship that he was having with a woman caught in adultery. And we're going to see how the Pharisees struggle with pride. And I love that we just came out of the, you know, the last two weeks of narcissism. If you missed that series, the last two weeks, go back and watch it, share it. It is so good. It's such a good reflection. What Pastor Mike brought, it was amazing. So as I was reading this scripture, I was like, wow, this ties in well with pride. And then also with lust, because we see that the woman who got caught in adultery was obviously lusting. So let's jump in 
And let's start in John chapter eight. So if you have your Bible, you can go there. I have my Bible. I also have notes on the screen for you and I have my notes right here. So now early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman. I don't know if you guys have ever been in your Devo time and you have something like this happens where you just get interrupted. Like you're about to get in a moment with God, prayer, worship, and all of a sudden your wife's knocking at your office door or your husband's at the prayer room closet knocking, the dog's barking, the baby's crying, something's going on. And maybe this is, this is what happens to me because I wake up early to spend time with God so I don't get you know the kids and my wife and everything. Like I wake up early. But what happens is my own thoughts get louder than my prayer thoughts. My own worry, my anxiety, anxiousness, you know what I mean? Like, oh man, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you shut that off? Did you pay this bill? Did you, you know what I mean? So many things. So here's a little tip. What I started doing is I have my devotional journal that I'll take notes on. What is the Lord speaking to me? What am I reading in my Bible? What, you know, writing that down. And then also what I do is I have pretty much like a, an anxiety journal. Like, what am I worried about doing today? I write that down so I can stop thinking about it and focus on God because the enemy is gonna come and try to bring up this, the, the stupidest stuff, doesn't he? Like, it's like, why am I thinking about that right now? This is pointless, I can't even handle that. That's due in two weeks, why am I worried about it? The enemy does, he's like, if you don't think about this for the next 30 minutes, you're gonna forget. So you have to think, you know? So we have to guard ourselves what the enemy tries to do in our lives. So it says, then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. So here we have it, right? We have the prideful Pharisees and we have the sinful woman, the lustful woman. And I'm just telling you guys, we are all both of these people. If not one, we are definitely the other. Because right now, if you're like, oh, I never show with, with lust, well, you're prideful. There it is, yeah. <laughs> show with both of it. That's it. We're all sinners. So listen, if you're here for the first time and you're like, no, I'm not a sinner. Hey, you're lying. You're a sinner. Like we're all sinners here. So this church is for, we, we prayed about this earlier during Dream Team. Like, this is not a church for perfect people. This is a hospital for the sick. You know what I mean? This is where we go for healing. And so even my goal today isn't to take a Bible and bust you over the head with it. It's to walk you through scriptures that influence you to go home and read it yourself. And be like, what does he want to speak to me? What does the Holy Spirit want to do in me? Because if he can speak through that through Pastor Joe, what can he speak through me? You know, men, you are called to be the priest of your home. Some of y'all are the priests of MLB, priests of NFL, priests of the NBA, priests of your workplace, priests of your fill in the blank, priests of everywhere but your home. I, you know what my wife tells me, and this is again, I, I, I suck at a lot of things, just listen. My wife told me, she told me one day, she said, how can you lead so well at church and you don't know how to do anything at home? Yeah. I said, well, I have a marriage podcast. <laughs> but it's true. Sometimes it's like I can focus so hard on work, on ministry, on certain things that I miss my family. I miss, I miss my home. And, and this is what it is. This is very simple. Like wives, and you can back me up on this. Some of the times of us guys, like Chrissy, Chrissy literally says this. She's like, how can you and I walk past the same pair of shoes at the front door and you don't see them? because I didn't have my contacts in. You know what I mean? Like, 
But it's true. It's, it's, so the, literally what I do now, and so we do this marriage checkup where marriage checkup is, you'd uh, tell me three things I'm doing well, because I want to keep doing those. And then three things that I could work better on, because I want to get better at that. One of the things that she literally said that you could, I could work better on is just seeing things that she sees. She said, I'm not telling you to be a clean freak because my wife is type A, she's Enneagram number one, she's a clean freak. I loaded the dishwasher one time, Pastor P. She unloaded it and reloaded it. I was like, girl, I think you got a demon. I would never unload a dishwasher and reload it again. wild. I was like, you're a narcissist. <laughs> Anyways, but she is, she's number one. So she told me, she said, I'm not expecting you to be a number one. Um, because I'm not that I'm a, I'm a number three on the Enneagram. And so I'm like, I'm trying to make stuff happen. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, dishes are loaded, even though they're upside down and backwards and whatever, you know, I use Dawn soap instead of like what's supposed to go in there and bubbles running. I, I got it done. You know, that's where my mind goes. So she's like, just notice things and pick it up. So I started doing that. And she even told me like a week or so later, she's like, honey, I noticed that you are noticing things and picking them up, but you don't have to do that much. She's like, I can't find my shoes. I was like, you reap what you sow, you know? <laughs> oh, my wife, she just texted me. She said, I'm so proud of you. I haven't even listened to it yet. I love you, man. What an encourager. I better stop talking trash about her. <laughs> we won't put this one on the podcast and disconnect YouTube right now. And get <laughs> um, anyways, jumping back to the woman caught in adultery. Adultery is a sin, plain and simple. Jesus himself said, if you lust after a woman, you've committed adultery. So it's not even that you had sex with a woman. It's if you look at her with a lustful eye, you have already committed adultery. And so that's what I'm saying. We're all on the same page. Either we're prideful or we struggle with lust. And again, if you're a man, you struggle with lust. Please don't try to lie to me. Please don't try to cover it up. The only reason you don't struggle with lust is if you, I, I, there is no way. You know what I mean? This morning during first service, I was talking to a guy and he was like, man, I struggle. I just don't know who to talk to about and stuff. I'm like, dude, just talk to your leader because if it's a man, he struggles too. And it's just accountability. You guys are just doing this together because you have to start struggling with lust at a young age. So just so you guys know, the average age that a child now views pornography is nine years old. And it's not because they're searching for it. It's because what the internet does is literally with the algorithm, a porn site is three to five clicks away from whatever website you're on right now. You could test my theory. I don't suggest you do it. If you click enough without ever typing in anything, you know, a URL to go to a site, you will end up there. You know what I mean? And so uh, also, I mean, a couple weeks ago, my daughters, they were just watching YouTube on the TV and the ad that came up was for perfume. And I was like, are you trying to sell me perfume or this woman? Because I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, they are watching a kid's show and now all of a sudden there's this scandalous woman and show. I was like, of course that our children struggle with lust. They see it at six and seven years old. We have to guard that and we have to call it out when it happens. We have to let people know what lust is, but we don't call it out in a prideful way. 
Because oftentimes we will get prideful like the Pharisees and literally they brought this woman caught in sin in front of Jesus and point to him as like, what do, what do we do? You know what I mean? Like she sinned, I didn't. She got caught in adultery, I'm perfect. She, me, she, me. If you find yourself pointing a lot, you struggle with pride. Prideful people point. We do. The problem with pointing is when you point, there's always three other fingers pointing back at you. But we don't recognize that. We're always pointing out the other person instead of realizing, oh, there's other things that I have to work on in my own life. Lust says, I want it. That's what lust says. We call it adultery. You're not acting like an adult when you commit adultery. You're acting like a four-year-old that says, I want it. That's what you're doing. And listen, if you have had an affair here, if you are divorced here, like I'm not like uh, trying to throw shade or anything like that. I get that. Me and Chrissy have done marriage coaching. Uh, My parents were divorced. Like I get, I've gone through a lot of things with it. This is just the reality is that when we lust after someone and say that I want it, I'm willing to leave what I have now for something else that I think is gonna make me happier. But in the long run, you're still in the relationship. You're not running away from yourself. You can run away from her all you want, but you're not running away from yourself. One of my uh, pastors I used to work with, um, Pastor Indio, he's in Indiana. He got divorced before. He got remarried. And he said in his new, um, his new marriage, he's like, she started saying the same things about me that my old wife used to say about me. And that's when I realized the problem was not my ex-wife or my new wife, but it was me. A lot of times it's easy to point at others instead of look in the mirror and see what we need to work on. Do we have an issue with lust? So everything that you do, just so you know, that is private, will turn public. Everything you do. Lust, I'm just telling you right now here, like men, women, online, on the podcast, if you struggle with pornography and you think it's just a porn thing, when, when you get married or right now in your marriage, sooner or later, you will experience that issue in your marriage because you are start, gonna start getting upset. Well, man, when I was a teenager, I could just look at porn whenever I want. And so, you know, it happened when it happened. Now I have to take her on dates. I have to, you know, romance her. I have to get her flowers. I have to have a conversation with her. That's too much work. I'm gonna go back to my iPhone. And that's where divorce happens because you're not willing to put in the work for a good marriage, you're lazy. You're lazy. Pornography is for lazy people. That's what it's for. And God has not called us to be lazy. He calls us to be diligent. So I diligently pursue my wife. The more you diligently pursue your wife, even if you can't stand your wife, the more you'll fall in love with your wife and you'll ignore everyone else. What happens is we get an offense and we put up. And we're like, ah, she's too hard. She's easier. Or what happens, we'll be at work and our wife doesn't compliment us and we have words of affirmations, our love language. And then the secretary or someone we work with will start complimenting us. You know that affairs, you just don't like accidentally trip and kiss someone, you have an affair. You know? Ah, Chrissy, I'm sorry, I cheated on you. I was walking down the street on Long Island. I tripped and there was a woman. She just caught me with her lips, so you know? It was so nice of her, but I said, listen here, temptress. You know what I mean? That's not how affairs happen. Affairs happen not in the bedroom, but one conversation at a time. 
that's where affairs happen. And when you're not having a conversation with your spouse, you're having a conversation with someone else. Me and Chrissy tell people, so, so many times spouses think that we shouldn't fight. No, you do fight. In every relationship, you're going to have a fight. You're going to have a fight with your boss. Anybody ever have a fight with a boss? Anybody online? Right. Their coaches, their teachers, students, employees, boyfriend, girlfriend, with your kids. We, we fight everything, but then all of a sudden we start finding marriage. We're like, oh no, it's going down the drain. Well, no, your other relationships aren't going down the drain. You just got to learn how to fight fair in marriage. Too many times we start to fight and we just want to drop the mic and walk away. No, no, no. You want to fight. And here's three things. Chris and I have taught this on a podcast before. You want to have good conversations. And it depends on these three T's. Ready? Touch, tone, and timing. Can you touch the person? Spouse, all right? I'm not telling you to touch your boss. That's weird. Um, <laughs> some of y'all are going to try to talk with Pastor Mike, you know, next week when he's here. And you're like, I'm not upset. See, I can touch you. You know, he's like, why are you rubbing my shoulder <laughs> with your spouse? Touch. Because, you know, when you are too mad and you can't have a, a good argument is when you can't touch them. You know what I mean? So it's like, be able to have a good argument, but you can touch them. You know, you don't want to physically like shake them, you know, like you can just touch them. Tone, am I, can I talk to you like I love you or am I talking down to you? Chrissy says this all the time. It's so good. We lose our manners in marriage. We talk better to a waitress than my wife. Like, don't lose your manners in marriage. Have tone with her. She can understand that you're upset, but don't be getting so mad that you're yelling like this because she reloaded the dishwasher and you didn't find it, you know, day before. <laughs> Touch, tone, timing. Ladies, ladies, listen to me. If he has not eaten and had a nap, don't talk to him. Y'all remember those, those Snickers commercials, you know, like you're not acting like yourself. You need a Snickers to satisfy. Bring, just have a stash of Snickers in your pocket or in your bedroom or throughout the house, scatter them. So when he's got an attitude because he's hangry, you just throw out that Snickers. Be like, let me know when your blood pressures or your, your blood sugar's back up. We'll have a conversation. That's me. Chrissy knows she's so good at this too. She reads me like a book. We tell couples that. Be able to read your spouse like a book. It's the best book you'll ever read because it continues to change and progress throughout life. Chrissy's not the same woman that I married. She's different. She's better. The book keeps getting better. If the book doesn't get better, well, guess what? I know the author to the book, so I can go to the author and ask him to help me with the book. What we tend to do is we look like a Pharisee too much, and instead we point at our spouse and tell her how to get better instead of me going to the author of the book. So don't go, don't go to your spouse, pointing the finger, telling them, do this, this, this. You go to God. Chrissy read this book called uh, like a praying wife or something like that. And she told me, she's like, I pray for you a lot. I was like, <laughs> so one, I need it. And two, I'm convicted because <laughs> I don't pray for you that much. It changed me. When she told me she prayed for me, it made me want to pray for her more. She didn't tell me, hey, you need to pray for me more. She told me how she was serving me and it made me want to serve her more. Amen. Some of you wish your spouse would serve you. Are you serving them? Amen. Are you praying for them? Are you sharing your devotional time with them? Last night, this is how good my wife is. I, we joke and we text, you know. 
Some stuff I can't tell you, but. So last night, we pray together every night. Last night, I was exhausted. Like I said, I got up at 2.45. It was just a long day. So uh, I'm laying in bed. It's 8.30, uh, Indiana time, 9.30 here. I'm like, I'm going to bed. And she right away sends me a voice message, a prayer. Because we pray together every night before we go to bed. And she sent me a prayer on voice message. Then I felt bad. I was like, do I send one back or do I just go to sleep? <laughs> So I'm, when I'm sharing this with you, I hope you guys understand. I'm not saying I got it all together. Chrissy and I still work on stuff. We still have issues, but we got to notice that in ourselves so we can work through it. Because again, everything that is private will turn public. The reason that Pastor Mike has let me be able to come up here and talk to you about these things is because my private relationship with my wife has turned public and become a ministry where we can talk to others about having a successful relationship, not a perfect relationship. You'll never have a perfect marriage, perfect kids, perfect boss, perfect pastor. Because some of you, I'm gonna ignore you today by accident and you're gonna be offended by me. I'm not perfect. I am messed up, very messed up. So don't put these, un, uh, these expectations on people that can't be met. Some of us put expectations on our spouse that we never verbally communicate to them so then they're not met, so then we get offended. If you want your spouse to do something, you need to talk to them about it in your marriage checkup. You know, you're doing great. You're doing X, Y, and Z great. You know what I'd love for you to do a little more? I would love you just to send me text messages. And again, men, because I get it. Sometimes as men, we don't know how to communicate. You know what I do? I Google what to text my wife. I told her that. And she's like, you shouldn't tell people that. I was like, but you like those text messages. Sometimes I don't know what to say besides I love you or miss you. You know what I mean? I'm like, what else can I say? So I look up a website. I was like, ooh, that's good. Copy, paste. <laughs> it's true. I think that of her. It's true. I'm just using someone else's words. I was like, they articulated that so much better than I ever could. So men, when you're like, I don't know what to tell my wife. I don't know what to text her throughout the day. Google it. Google's big. You'll figure something out. You'll find something. Anyways, we got to get back to scripture. I got to get going. My flight leaves at six. Pastor Patrick told me I got to leave at like three or four, right? All right, I got three more hours. Here we go. <laughs> All right. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, the woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that one should be stoned. That's true. What they're telling Jesus is true. Okay. Sometimes what the enemy is going to say to you is true. Did you know that the enemy quoted scripture to Jesus? He will speak the truth, but he will twist it to manipulate. That's what he was doing with Jesus. He's like, hey, bro, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jump off this cliff, jump off this mountaintop because the Bible says that the angels will come and they will make sure that your feet do not hit the ground. You know what I mean? Like he was manipulating. Jesus, like, get out of here, devil. You're crazy. You know, sometimes we let these things come in and we just, we just listen to him like, okay, I'll do that. Instead of saying, no, 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 no. That's scripture taken out of context. Context matters. You know, like, so even if your spouse is bringing to you scripture and stuff, talking about fasting, well, you can take them to the fast that says that you should only sustain. This is a scripture that very, very rarely gets brought up for husband and wife. When it talks about you should, if you sustain from sex, it should only be to fast, you know? So again, if it's been a couple days, husband and wife, you can ask your spouse, like, hey, are you fasting? Because I miss you. I miss you. You know, God, got to know our scripture, people. But can you imagine, I mean, just imagine with me for a moment, 
being in this woman's shoes? Because you guys have felt this way. The Bible does not say that they let her get back and dressed, ready, put on makeup, all the things. She was caught, caught in the act of adultery. And I just want to let you guys know, for someone to be caught, for this like, law to actually go into effect, like they actually had to physically catch you, two eyewitnesses catch you in the act of adultery. Not walking out of a house, not a text message, not you know, even on the same bed sleeping, like in the act, two eyewitnesses that match up perfectly. The shame that this woman is carrying already, and then she's thrown down in front of a church just like this, in front of people at the temple, and, he, um, and they, they point out her sin. And they say, this woman should be stoned. I have committed sin before, and I know you have, that there is such shame on you that you can relate and feel like this woman. You feel naked, you feel afraid, you don't know how anyone can save you, you literally feel like you're about to die. How am I gonna get through this thing, this addiction, this issue, you know? And it could be a number of things. But look what Jesus does. He says, but what do you say? And they said this, testing him, that they might have something to which to accuse him. So again, just so you guys know, the enemy will use you to get to God. He will mess your life up to try to get to God. If you don't believe me, read Job. You know, the whole book of Job, that's what happens. He will manipulate other relationships in your life to also get to you to get you to backslide, to get you to, into a divorce, to get you to quit your job when you're not called to quit your job, to get you to yell at your kids a certain way when God's called you to actually raise them up in the ways that they should go. He will do things and he will bring things in front of you to manipulate and to twist your thoughts to come against you. So I say, but what do you say? Testing him. Now this part matters, context matters here. They were testing him because he said that he's the son of God, that he's a rabbi. So if he's a rabbi, he knows that it's written in Deuteronomy, in Exodus, in Leviticus, that they should stone this woman for being caught in adultery. That is the law. So if he says, don't stone her, he's breaking the law. Does he actually, does he, is he actually even a rabbi? Should people be following him? So context matters. Then on the opposite side, if, they, if Jesus says, yes, stone her, then everything he just preached about grace and mercy is now out the window. And then also Jesus himself is gonna get in trouble with the Roman law because what happened at this point, Rome had come into Israel and for there to be any kind of um, execution, it had to go through Rome. So they are trying to literally get Jesus caught in an area where it feels like there is no escape. And the enemy will do that with you and I. He will get us in an area where it feels like there is no escape escape. And this is my favorite part of the scripture. The, it says, but Jesus stooped down and he wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Now we already have the son of God coming down from heaven on, to earth. And now he's already taking himself low. He is God. Now he's taking himself lower and he's actually stooping down on the ground. Stooping shows a form of humility. So these men are up here pointing down at her, ready to throw stones, and Jesus actually gets down on her level. Did you know that our Savior has gotten on your level? Some of you feel like you're all alone at the bottom. Some of you online, you feel like the struggle is so real, you don't know how to look up. You don't have to look up. You can just look sideways because he's on your level. He came to pick you up.
He came to embrace you. He came to love you, not to lord over you. Even the disciples, they didn't get this at the beginning. They thought Jesus was gonna be the conquering king. They thought we were gonna come in, we're gonna kick Rome out, we're gonna take over, Jesus is gonna be king, we're number one, uh, Peter, you're number one, John's number two, you know what I mean? Like they were setting themselves up like this. But he came as the suffering servant. You ready for this one? If you wanna look more like Jesus, look more like a suffering servant in your relationship. With your spouse, with your kids, with your boss, with your pastors, with your coach, with your leaders, whoever it is. Instead of looking like the Pharisees, look like the suffering servant. And then it says that he wrote on the ground. So the word here to write in the Greek is the word graphene, like graffiti, to write, graphene. The word that actually was captured and written down in the Greek original was actually the word katagraphene, which means to write down a record against someone. What I think is so cool is that as the enemy comes and they're pointing out this woman's record, Jesus gets on the ground and maybe he's writing out their record. Did you know that when things come up in your mind, when people point things out to you, you don't have to just keep taking what the enemy says. You can say, no, 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 you might be saying that devil, but I know what the book of Revelation says and I know how this ends. It is written down how it ends for you. So my story is not complete, but yours is. It's written down. I don't have to listen to your lies because you are gonna go bye-bye in the lake of fire. We gotta remind him. He reminds us of enough crap. He reminds you online of enough stuff that you've dealt with in your life. Remind him. Remind him who he is. Remind him how he loses. Remind him of what his future is. So, one of the things, and this kind of goes back to when I said earlier about um, when Chrissy and I do a marriage checkup. I heard a pastor say this before, and Chrissy and I try to do this, and this will hit you too. In your, again, in your workplace, your home, wherever. But you should ask your spouse, your boss, your kids. What's it like to be on the other side of me? What's it like to be on the other side of me? Because again, a lot of times we see ourselves one way and other people, they see us a different way. And you know what? If I want them to see me the way I see myself, I need to know how they see me so I can change. What's it like to be on the other side of me? One time me and um, Gwen were driving down the road. I didn't tell this story this service yet, did I? I'm getting my services confused. Um, we were driving down the road and Gwen, my seven-year-old, asked me, why do, you, why do you treat me and Vivi different than you treat Kara? I was like, what do you mean? Kara's my 23-year-old. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, you got, you're, you're very harsh on Kara, but you're very loving to us. Then she just looked out the window and just started like, duh, 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 you know, just, <laughs> are you going to drop a bomb like that and then not walk me through it? But it helped me. What's it like to be on the other side of me? You know what I did? I went out and bought a book on how to raise a adult child. I don't know. I've never done it. And so I had to look into it. I was trying to teach her things and trying to give her advice without her ask, actually asking me for the advice. And so what happened was I was looking more like a pastor, or a coach, a counselor, all the things than a father. And she didn't ask for a pastor. She didn't ask me to be a coach. She needed a father. And so I got to find out what's it like to be on the other side of me so I can be the best dad that I can be. So, something we need to 
talk about is accountability. Because what's it like to be on the other side of me leads to accountability. Because are you holding your identity accountable? Because you, we all walk with an ID, right? Some of us with a real ID, some of us with a fake ID. Some of you with a fake ID, you need to throw that thing away. We need a real ID. Because the fake ID is, again, who the enemy says you are. The real ID says who you are in Christ. When I was younger, I used to have a fake ID. One of my buddies, uh, his brother was older than us. And so um, I just had his expired ID. And so I would use this to go buy alcohol at like age 17 and stuff and go to bars and everything. And I'm telling you what, every time I walked into the mini mart, my heart began to race. I began to sweat. I was nervous. I'm like, are they going to catch me today? And what would happen? You know, is Pastor Egg going to show up and, you know, arrest me? Like, what's going to happen if I did it? You know what? Then when I got a real ID and I actually turned 21, I never was sweating or nervous whenever I went to the bar, to the, you know, uh, to the mini mart to buy alcohol. There's a difference between walking with a fake ID and your real ID. There's a difference. And some of us online, some of us in here, some of us globally have been walking with a fake ID instead of a real ID. And the reason you've been walking with a fake ID is because you're not holding yourself accountable and you're not letting others hold you accountable. Pastor Patrick just did a great teaching uh, at our Dream Team coaches meeting. Listen, if you're not part of the Dream Team here or globally, you're missing out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop you a nugget real quick, okay? This is from our coaches meeting. The goal for the coaches meeting is to get what we're teaching into the teams. This is what he said on accountability. The core of accountability is integrity and vulnerability. So again, integrity and vulnerability. Vulnerability is not being weak. It's weakness being exposed. Vulnerability is not being weak. It's weakness being exposed. Integrity is speaking truth about what is happening in my life. Integrity is speaking truth about what is happening in my life. Some of us need some accountability. We need to hold ourselves accountable and let others speak into us. And again, that's why we have Dream Team that's why we have connect groups. Because too often we make it feel like you're doing life alone. Like Jesus, literally, if you think about it, he, when he recruited people, when he drew them to him, he was purposeful. He's like, this is my connect group. These 12 disciples are my connect group. These 12 disciples are my dream team. And I'm going to pour into them for them to go out and make a difference into others. And I'm going to hold them accountable. Some of the reason that some of us aren't growing here, you're still strong with pride, lust, whatever your sin is, is because you won't let people see the real you. You keep holding up this fake ID and you come in here like, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. And you get outside and you're like, gosh, I'm glad that's over. You know what I mean? And you just go this different direction. I get it. I used to be that guy. I get it. We can relate. I, I used to be buddies. Um, I am buddies. He's my best friend, actually. But we, we, um, his dad used to be a pastor. And we would go to the youth ministry when we were younger and we would be on the front row and surrendering our sin and God forgive me. And then Friday night, we'd be at his house smoking weed. I'm just trying to say I can relate with you guys. You're not alone if you're like, yeah, you don't know what it's like. I do. I was there. And this stuff has freed me from being there. So if you want some freedom, you need to start taking some notes and applying what somebody's telling you. All right, let's keep going. So... This is something, and I, I love this verse in, in 1 Peter 3, verse 7 in the Passion Translation. It's talking about humility. Because this is what we need. Because either we're walking in lust or we're walking in pride and we shouldn't be walking in either. It says, let humility describe who you are 
as you dearly love one another. Like that, that right there is like, man, if we all got that, we could change this world. If we would begin to walk in humility, never retaliate when someone treats you wrongly. That's hard to do, right? So we got our stones ready. Like, ah, don't say it. I'm saying it. You know, like we're ready. I like throwing stones. I'm a sinner. I got to work on this. Nor insult those who insult you, but instead respond by speaking a blessing over them. Because a blessing is what God promised to give them. For the scriptures, um, for the scriptures tell us, whoever wants to embrace true life and find beauty in each day must stop speaking evil, hurtful words, and never deceive in what they say. Always turn from what is wrong and cultivate what is good. Turn from what's wrong, cultivate what is good. Eagerly pursue peace in every relationship. Eagerly pursue peace, making it your prize. Pastor Eddie sent me this. This is so good by Charles Spurgeon. You guys ready for this? Revenge, lust, ambition, pride, self-will are too often exalted as the gods of man's idolatry. That's what so many of us strive for, right? Like it is, it's like the idol, like get it, get it, get it, go, 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 you know? While holiness, peace, contentment, and humility are viewed as unworthy of a serious thought. That should be what we are meditating on instead of ignoring and just looking at everyone else and pointing fingers. So a healthy relationship isn't pointing out their sin, but it's admitting your own to a friend, to a leader, to a pastor, to a spouse. It says, so when they continued asking him, asking him, he raised up and said to them, who is without sin, right? You cast the first stone. And again, he stooped down and on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience, they went out one by one. So they dropped their stones, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing there. Then when Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, look at that. When he saw no one but the woman, sometimes our focus gets on too many people and Jesus is just saying, hey, stop worrying about them. Worry about you because I see you. I see you. I want to love you. I want to help you. I want to give you freedom. I want to help you, you know, work on you. So to wrap this up, it says, uh, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers? No one has condemned you. She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Amen. You know, as the band comes up, I'm just gonna have everybody stand to your feet. I just want you guys to know, struggling with pride, struggling with lust, struggling with whatever sin, God sees you. Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. Just start worrying about you and Jesus. Would you guys close your eyes for me for one second? Let's just imagine being in that place as Jesus was with this woman. Keep your eyes closed for me. It's just you and Jesus. All the Pharisees are gone. The boss isn't here. The spouse isn't here. Kids aren't here. The pastor's not here. 
Nobody here to throw stones. It's just you and Jesus. And Jesus sees you, the true you, the real you. He sees your identity. He knows who he's called you to be. He doesn't condemn you, but he does want you to admit your sin. Because he told her, go and sin no more. He didn't just point out the pride of the Pharisees. He pointed out the lust of the woman. The amazing thing about V1 is we have an altar where we're able to take things, like I said earlier, to die. And you might be strong with lust. You might be struggling with pride. You might be struggling with something else I didn't even talk about today. Something that's got a grip on you. And today, Jesus sees just you. He sees just you. And he says, where are your accusers? They're gone. The accusers are gone. Stop accusing yourself and just admit your sin and walk in freedom. God wants to free you today. So I feel like this is just gonna be a, a, a soft moment, a soft moment that if God nudges you, this is what I want you to do. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you know if he's speaking to you, you feel it, you feel it in your stomach, you feel it in your soul, you feel it in your heart, your heart's racing, your thoughts are racing, the sweat's coming down your forehead. You're like, oh man, am I gonna go up there? Am I gonna go up there? I feel him calling me. I want you. Nobody, no, I'm not going to call anyone out. I just want you to take that step and say, man, I've been strong with lust. I've been strong with pride. I've been strong with whatever it is. And God, I am sick of hearing those who are trying to accuse me. I'm, I'm done listening to the lies of the enemy. I'm done listening to the lies of people. I'm listening to my true identity that you have for me. And if that's you right now, this altar is open for you. We're gonna go into worship and just, it's gonna be light. It's gonna be, it's gonna be low because I want you to come up and I want you to be able to have a conversation with God, a conversation with the prayer team. We already have people coming up. Thank you, sir, for taking that first step. That's a, that's a bold move of saying, I have this and I need to stop listening to the accusers and I need to listen to Jesus. You're not condemned. He wants you to go and sin no more. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Holy Spirit, lead us. Holy Spirit, minister right now to us, to those online that need to get out of their chair and on their face, to those at a watch party that need to pray for one another, for those in this room that need to get out of their seats and come to the altar. Speak to us, God. We want to hear you.